Uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Romans chapter 4, verse 9 through 12. The heading for that is justification is apart from circumcision. Verses 9 through 12. Justification is apart from circumcision. Verses 9 through 12. One more time, just in case. Justification is apart from circumcision. That's verses 9 through 12. Okay, starting in verse 9. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Comes this blessedness, then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also. Before we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness, how was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of, of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, for that he might be the father of all them who believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also, and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only but who also walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. So before in chapter 4, we see that Abraham is used as an example. And remember, Abraham is a type of the sinner who is justified by faith because Abraham uh, came from a family of idol makers. The Jewish race did not exist. At that time, it did not exist. It started with Abraham. So the, Jew, the Jews didn't even exist then. So he was he came from a family of idol makers, and then he, he left his family. And you've read it in Genesis. So he was a type of the sinner justified by faith. And then Paul uses David as an example. David is a type of the saint because David was a Jew, and in basically what you see in David's life is he was saved. I mean, he, he's, he was a man after God's own heart, all, all of these things. He was anointed by God, and yet David blew it with Bathsheba. And then you see some of, you know, David said, blessed is the man who sins not imputed to them. God doesn't impute sin, basically. Uh, he said, even as David also describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. David blew it as a believer. He blew it. He committed adultery, murder, any lie. He blew it. And according to the law, he should have died, but yet, he didn't die. And you see in the song of his repentance, basically. Nathan came to him and told him a story about this sheep. You know, this man had one baby sheep and he kept that sheep and it was precious to him and he loved it. And then another man who had many, many sheep and everything else came and stole that sheep away and all that stuff. David, of course, was like, kill, kill the man. 
<laughs> Gilvan and Nathan said, David, you ought to make it. And David's heart was smitten with conviction. Is it that was, oh, that's me. <laughs> Guilt and conviction. And David repented. And Nathan said, Take away your sin. And according to the law, David should have been stoned. But yet, David received grace. He didn't receive death, and he deserved death. According to the law, he should have died. But yet, David, not only did he not die, but he was still king. <laughs> he, he was still king. He didn't even lose his position. And, God, and his relationship with God didn't change either. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Good thing. That's good for us. <laughs> so, David, a type of the sinner, blows it, and yet... His sins are not imputed to him, and he's still viewed as righteous because of his faith. Because his faith was in what God had asked for it to be, which was the sacrificial system, but really what they represented. And David seemed to have insight uh, into that because he said, animal sacrifice is not what you desire, a broken and contrite heart. David had some type of insight as that it wasn't necessarily the sacrifice. It was something else that God was really interested in. Um, but David still had, had proper faith. And that's, that's what God was looking for. So even as a, as a believer, and he blows it, David, the type of the believer that blows it, instead of sin being imputed to his account, he had righteousness, justification by faith. Not by works, by faith. And Paul uses them too as an example because they were held as high, up in high regard with the Jews. So then we get justification is apart from circumcision. So verse 9. Comes this blessedness upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? This is posed to the Jews who taught that Gentiles must become uh, proselyte Jews in order to be saved. So if you're a Gentile, what the Jew taught was that in order for you to be saved, there is no other way for you to be saved except that you would become a Jew, which means that you're going to have to be circumcised. You're going to have to follow the law of Moses. You're going to have all of that stuff would have been included. So that's what the Jews would have taught a Gentile. In order for you to be saved, this is what you have to do. Paul asked this question Really to tear down that thought process to show that that's wrong. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, the Jew only, or upon the uncircumcision also. Paul had just used Abraham who lived before the law of Moses was given. And David who lived under the law. He showed that both of them obtained righteousness apart from the law and in fact could not obtain such by law. David's righteousness... And after he moved with Bathsheba, was not based off of the law, what he did or didn't do, because he broke the law. But David's righteousness was because of his faith. Abraham's righteousness was because of his faith, not because he did some certain thing. Thanks. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Righteousness was granted freely. To Abraham upon his faith in God some 14 years before the rite of circumcision was enjoined as a token of the covenant. 
Uh, we see that in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, and then also chapter 17, verses 1 through 14. Eric, can you read the Genesis chapter 15, verse 6? Well, she's turning there. You mentioned David and what Nathan said to David and how Dave, this was a type to show the forgiveness that David had. This was, and how close it represents the cross today and what God has always wanted to do concerning man. And David was a type of this because of his faith. And Psalm chapter 51 is David's prayer of repentance. And you could teach a whole thing on just that to show the cross there. But Nathan's wording is what's interesting. David, after he was confronted, said, I have sinned against the Lord. That right there was a powerful statement. In that statement there, he, there was true repentance and he knew he had sinned against the Lord. He didn't say that he didn't blame anybody else. He didn't say anything else, just simply in a sense. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. When David said, I have sinned against the Lord, basically what he means there is he's throwing himself before the mercy of God. And Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. That represents the blood of Christ. Because the blood of Christ takes away our sin. It doesn't just hide it, covers it up. It takes it away. So that statement right there is powerful and represents what the blood does uh, for us. We know that he did suffer some consequences in the external, in this life, which we do. Even if we sin in this life, we can suffer those things in the flesh and the natural. But he said, the Lord has taken away your sin. You will not die. That was powerful. Yeah. And that's what we have in Christ, in the blood of Christ. Yeah, he was he was uh, delivered from the penalty right. of the law. Right. And that, that, is, is, yeah. you, that we have that in the new covenant. Yes. You, you have that as a, as a believer. It's one thing as an unbeliever. You, you are lost. You are not saved. And then you come to justification that your sins are wiped away. And then you're forget, you're born again. You're saved. It's another thing as a believer when you not if when you blow it because you will blow it. I'm just gonna just tell you now. I just let me just take pressure off of you right now. You are not Jesus Christ. You are not perfect. You will blow it. But if your faith is right, your faith is in what Christ has done for you at the cross. What he did was he set you free from the penalty of the law. We are dead to the law. Right. You've been set free from the penalty of the law, of the broken law. Because basically, your, it's not that your sin is just totally like whatever it is. You know. God doesn't just ignore it. It's judged. But you don't take that upon yourself. Christ took it for you. Christ took the death that you should have taken for the broken law that you, for what you did. And Christ took David's death that David should have had right. because of what he did. Right. So we have freedom from the penalty 
of sin, which is death. You have freedom from the power of sin in our lives. It's one thing to have freedom from the penalty. That when you sin, you don't die. That's one thing. It's another thing to be free from the power of sin. That sin doesn't dominate your life. But you have both of those in Christ. Yes. What do you do at the cross? You have that. You have freedom from the penalty of sin and freedom from the power of sin. That you don't have to be dominated by any, any, not any sin. You don't have to be dominated by it. That's a good thing because I'm weak. And if I didn't have, if it wasn't for Christ, I'd be dominated by sin. But we can have freedom from sin's dominion because Christ at Calvary broke not only the, he took the penalty of sin, but he broke the power of sin. The chains are gone. <laughs> they, they, no more we in bondage anymore. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. I think you asked Sarah to read something. Oh, Sarah. Yes, Sarah. Hey, Sarah. <laughs> Genesis 16, 16. Yes. And he blamed the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And then uh, later on in uh, chapter 17, verses 1 through 14, you don't have to go, you don't have to read that, but that's another place that you can look. Uh, and I'm going to read that again just to bring it back. Righteousness was granted freely to Abraham upon his faith in God some 14 years before the right of circumcision was enjoined uh, as a token of the covenant. So Abraham was given righteousness by God because he believed before he was circumcised. Like 14 years before yeah. he was actually circumcised. Salvation has always been given only on the premise of faith in Christ. The giving of the law of Moses did not change that. Right. The promise came before the law. The promise to Abraham came before the law of Moses. Abraham was given righteousness, imputed righteousness, justification by faith before the law was ever given. And just because the law was given didn't change the fact that justification by faith was established first and was always God's way. The sacrifices before his coming, uh, talk about Jesus, the sacrifices before his coming pointed to him and the cross now points back to him. Jesus is the central figure for all time. The all the sacrifices pointed to Christ and what he would do at the cross. Everything in the temple pointed to Christ and what he did at the cross. Everything in the tabernacle Pointed to Christ and what he did at the cross. Everything would point to that. That was the whole thing. Everything in scripture points to Christ and what he would do at the cross. That's that's the Bible. You want to understand the Bible. That's it. Christ and what he did at the cross. You got it. That's it. We're done. We studied the whole book. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's, it, it is a common thread from Genesis 1.1. To Revelation 22, 21. All the way to the end. From the beginning to the end. Here's the thread. The common thread. And it is Christ and him crucified. Who Christ is. The person of Christ. And what he would do at the cross. Is the common thread. All through scripture. 
I heard one of my professors in Bible college, he goes, Brother Board, and he probably, I think you said he read it somewhere, but the Bible, no matter where you cut it, leaves red. No matter where you cut the Bible, it will bleed red because it's all about Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross. That's the story of the Bible. That's why we don't have the, we don't have all the answers to what happened in this time. What happened then? What, what about this? What about We don't have all those answers because we don't need that. All we need is Christ and him crucified. That's what God said. This is all you need. So that's what he gave us. He didn't give us what things were like before. That's right. The Bible is not what you're just talking about is that in Genesis, we like, we like, I love Genesis and the story of creation and, and what happened in the very beginning and all of that stuff. And I would like to know more about what the Bible doesn't talk about, but it's just, but the Bible is not meant to be a complete history book from the beginning of time until now. It is meant to only point us to the, our way of salvation, which is Christ. Everything that we need for that is here. There are a lot of things that are not filled in. We don't know, but it's not necessary for us to know concerning our salvation. Right. And uh, so it's pointless to get involved in conversations. I mean, it's interesting to talk about, speculate about things, about what if this, about this, about this, and about this. But it, as far as salvation is concerned, in a man's soul, doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you know? Yeah. All the questions and the answer to every question that we have need of for life and godliness, how to get saved, how to stay saved, how to live for God is found in the Bible. There's no, there's nowhere else to look. You don't have to look anywhere else. You don't have to look at 50,000 different books and you don't have to do that. You got it all right here. Everything that you need for this life, how to get saved and then how to live for God. And the truth is, this book is more about how to live for God than it is about how to get saved. There's like 1% on how to get saved and the rest is how to live for God. The easy part is getting saved. The hard part is the rest. Living for God. Living free from sin. Living a holy life unto God. Being conformed into the image of Christ. The sanctification process is very long. Justification is like bang, salvation experience. You say yes to Jesus, accept me in your heart. Then the glorification, bang. So so fast. Sanctification. But the whole uh, the rest of the time is sanctification. You spend the rest of your life. Sanctified. Get sanctified. Till the rapture happens or you die. Sanctification. That scripture is more about sanctification than anything. Paul wrote, Paul wrote about that. And the, and the way to go about this, Christ and him crucified. Uh, verse 10. How was it then reckoned? If one does not understand as to how justification or righteousness are reckoned, it is almost certain he will be led astray. The word reckoned in the Greek is logizomai. I feel like I said that before. L-O-G-I-Z-O-M-A-I. 
L-O-G-I-Z-O-M-A-I. What is that? Uh, I think it's logizomai. It's a word reckoned in the Greek. It's logizomai. L-O-G-I-Z-O-M-A-I. And it means to take an inventory, to count, or to conclude. So if you take an inventory of a warehouse, then you find out what's in the warehouse. <laughs> You're just taking an inventory of what's already in the warehouse. So how is it then reckoned? If one does not understand as to how justification or righteousness is reckoned, it is almost certain he will be led astray. If you don't know how he got it, you don't know how God reckons it to our account, how he uh, imputes it into our account, then you're going to get a lot of stuff wrong. God only accepts his own calculations and not man's. Remember, God told Peter, the sheep came down with all the unclean animals. Peter said, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. And he has the vision, I think, three times. And every time he said, Lord, I've never, Lord forbid, I've never eaten anything unclean. And the Lord said, don't call anything unclean that I've cleansed. The whole context of that was, what did he send Peter? Where, where was Peter about to go? To the Gentile's house. They saw them as unclean. What he was saying was, if I've cleansed it, Peter, it's clean. That's right. Now, men may have their ideas about what clean and unclean is, but that really doesn't matter. It's what God says. Don't call anything unclean that I've cleansed, Peter. And that's kind of, uh, God only accepts his own calculations and not man's. David blew it. And somebody could look at David and say, well, David, obviously unclean. But yet God said the opposite, as my dad read. He didn't even, the sin was gone, like it never even happened. Basically, God said, don't call unclean that which I cleansed. That means even if we blow it, and our faith is right and we repent it, God says the same thing. Don't call unclean what I cleansed. That's why it's so dangerous to pass judgment on a brother or a sister in Christ. Because you don't know. Even if they're going, even if they're going through a struggle and a battle, and it seems like they're blowing it. First of all, the one thing you don't know is the spiritual warfare involved in that battle. And the second thing is, you don't know how many times they repent when they blow it. Yeah. Lord, I blew it again. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And every time that they repent, they're forgiven. Their sins are taken away, just like David's were. Like they never existed. Like it never happened. <laughs> and they stand before God as perfectly righteous and innocent. Of all charges. As though they've never sinned. Now if God has taken their sin away. Then who are you. 
to impute it to their account. Because you line up with the enemy when you do that. Whether you realize it or not, you become a partner in the work of Satan. Because he is the accuser of the brethren. So if my dad blows it, he just he just blows it. He fights off a big old piece of stupid and does the wrong thing. He sins and he repents. But that's not good enough for me. Then now I'm 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 sinning, and I'm my sin is probably worse now because I'm actually coming against the blood of Jesus Christ. He didn't. He just blew. But I'm actually coming against the blood of Jesus. I'm coming against the finished work of Christ as though it is not enough. That's more dangerous than his failure. He's not attacking the finished work of Christ. He just sinned. He sinned. He messed up. I'm outright attacking the finished work of Calvary. As though the blood of Jesus was not enough to, to forgive his sin. And really, he doesn't really, he's not really in right standing with God. Even though according to God, he would be. And it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what God says. And if so, if you blow it and someone, you know, has their own opinions about you, who cares? It doesn't matter. Who cares? Who cares what they say? What does God say? It's not always fun. <laughs> we just be, we just be honest. It's not always fun. When you blow it, maybe none of y'all have blown it, but I have blown it before. And it's not fun when you get viewed a certain way because you messed up and you, you blew it. And you sin, and, and you're grieved, and you're all you've asked for forgiveness, and the Lord forgives you. A true repentance. And he says, I've imputed righteousness, not sin. The sin's been paid for by Christ. It's been taken away. But then someone just won't let it go. Oh, no, no, you have to do, no, 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 that's an attack against the blood of Jesus Christ. What you're saying is that what Christ did at the cross is not enough. I mean, we got, we got to wake up. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't want to get hard here, but we got to wake up, church. We got this happens in denominations, and it's a, it's a, it's an attack. Whether they realize it or not, they are attacking the finished work of Calvary, as though what Jesus did at the cross is not enough. But they better hope that it's enough, because if it's not, then they're not. You don't get in. You don't get in. If the finished work of Calvary is not enough to cleanse me of all unrighteousness, even when I blow it and then I repent, if it is not enough, if the price paid was not enough, then he would not have been resurrected from the dead. But he was resurrected from the dead, which means the price that was paid was enough. So if you want to get somebody to do penance of some sort, I don't care what it is. That's an attack against the blood of Jesus. And I will not join with that. Because, I'm the, because I, I, I need his grace. Yes. I, need, I need justification by faith when I blow it. <laughs> and everybody else does. We all need it. We need it. 
Scripture says those who are spiritual restore a brother who's failed or a sister who's failed. So, okay, you failed. Welcome to the human race. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the family of God where we all fail but Christ. <laughs> yeah. But it does, it's more about His work than your work. Because your works, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. Let's just take that. Take that. Let's just get that monkey off of our back right now. We are going to fail. I wish. I wish we didn't. I wish. I wish that I always showed the righteousness of Christ. <laughs> I wish that I never failed. I wish that I didn't sin. But I do. But the blood of Christ, the finished work of Calvary, will never fail. It will never fail. It will never lose its power. Amen. That is good, good news. Uh, next part. When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision. Paul answers with his next statement. <clears throat> Go ahead. Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. Abraham was declared by God to be a righteous man while he was yet uncircumcised, uh, i.e. outside of the covenant within which Israel afterwards stood in its unique relation to God. That's what Israel boasted in, that they were God's chosen people and they were in covenant with him. And they were. But Abraham received justification by faith. He was given righteousness before the covenant existed. When he was outside of the covenant, when he was not circumcised, God saw him as righteous. And that, like I said, the Israel, the Jews, man, they boasted in the, the covenant that they had with God. Well, we're God's chosen people. We are the Jews. But yet Abraham received righteousness when he wasn't circumcised. When he was outside of that covenant. Had the promise of heirship of the world been based on the principle of law or merits, that would have set Abraham aside for the inheritance was given, by, given him by promise. And therefore, on the principle of faith, if it was really about if it would have been if the heirship would have been given by law, then Abraham, like I said, Abraham would have been set aside because Abraham was given. It was given to Abraham by promise, not by not by works, not by law, but just by promise. Abraham, I'm going to do this for you. This is what you're going to get. You didn't do anything to earn it, Abraham. I'm just going to give it to you because it's I promise. We have that. Amen. The pro we have it because of the promise. Yes. Not because of words. That's amen, amen, sure. amen. amen. Uh, verse 11. And he received the sign of circumcision. This took place about 14 years after he had been made righteous by faith in Christ. Therefore, this sign of circumcision played no part in that justification. So the sign... Circumcision was a sign, but he had already received righteousness. 
before the sign came. Circumcision played no part in Abraham being given righteousness by God. Played no part at all. Not, not one single part did it play. It was just a seal. It was just a seal. He already had the righteousness given to him because he because of faith, because he believed. Uh, then go ahead and have just what you say in the next part. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised. So remember, he expressed faith in God. Really what God was saying to Abraham was the seed is coming through your line. The Messiah is coming through your line, Abraham. Well, if that's going to, if that is true, if this, if the Messiah is really going to come through Abraham's line, then what does Abraham have to have? He's got to have a son because he's got to have a line. <laughs> if Abraham doesn't have a son, you ain't got no line, buddy. <laughs> But the promise was that the Messiah would be through Abraham's line. He said, he told Abraham that all nations, through your loins, Abraham, through your seed, all nations shall be blessed. Yes. Yes. That sounds like the Messiah to me. <laughs> that sounds like the Lamb of God to me. Because Isaac didn't do that. No. So the promise was that Abraham, the Messiah, is coming through your life. And God told Brother Danny, Brother Danny, the Messiah, I'm going to send a Redeemer. And that Redeemer is coming through your line. But Brother Danny doesn't have a son. What do you need, brother Danny? You you need a son, but your but the promise is the Messiah, the Redeemer. Not not a son; it's a Redeemer. But in order for there to be a line for the Redeemer to come in, you gotta have a son. You gotta have a line, and the only way to have a line is to have a son. See the kind of get the picture now. We kind of get in the. So the faith, <clears throat> Abraham believed that and God accredited to him as righteousness because he believed that redeeming was coming. That's all he knew. They were only asked to believe what they were given. A redeemer's coming. A redeemer's coming. You look at in the Garden of Eden, they fell. They were kicked out of the garden. God told them, a redeemer's come. Mm -hmm. That's all they had. That's all they had to believe in. That's all, that's all they knew. So they believe a redeemer's coming. <laughs> a, redeem, a redeemer is coming. That's what they had. And then the law came to show shed more light on the redeemer. The law of Moses came to shed more light on the coming redeemer. But they didn't see it that way. They turned the law of Moses into something it wasn't. It's not meant to be. But it was meant to, it's just a progressive revelation of the Redeemer. And then now, to be honest, much more is going to be required of us because we have the total picture. 
You got the whole story. Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Redeemer. He came and he died on the cross. Yes. And then was risen on the third day. And then now he's ascended and sitting at the right hand of the clock. We have the whole picture. They just had a Redeemer's coming. You know who the Redeemer is now. The Redeemer has a name now. Jesus. <laughs> and now we know what he did. We, we have a picture of redemption. What God promised all along. We see the full picture. Jesus. Jesus was the Jesus was the seed. Promised to Abraham. Amen. And, G, and Abraham believed that, but he didn't see it. Jesus told the Pharisees, Abraham, before Abraham, I was. And when, a, when Abraham saw my day, he rejoiced. Yes. What happened there was Abraham had a Pentecostal fit. He didn't just say, oh, well, praise God. Praise God. Then we need No. No. Abraham said, that's him. Yeah. That's the one. That's the one that... That's the promise. That's the one. And then he probably looked a lot like David. <laughs> Just dancing. Shouting. Praises to God. Abraham rejoiced. Yes. How much more should we be able to rejoice? Because we've seen the full picture. Mm -hmm. so Abraham believed that that's, that's why Abraham received righteousness and it's the same for us faith in the same thing now we have faith not just in the Redeemer's coming but he already came and we have faith in what he did that's our part today faith in Christ as the Redeemer that he came and what he did the cross you exhibit faith in that, God gives you righteousness. He says, righteousness. Do you believe that Jesus is the Redeemer? And do you believe that he did it? And Calvary? Yes, I do. Righteousness. Yes. Yeah, but he blew it. Uh-huh. Doesn't matter what you think, man, what God said. <laughs> and this plainly states that his righteousness, done by Abraham, was by faith and received long before Circumcision. Circumcision was meant to imply a seal of righteousness, meaning that Abraham and all who followed in his train would receive righteousness solely by faith and not by works. However, the Jews turned it around, making circumcision the salvation instead of it merely being the seal or symbol. They just flipped it. You got, the same, you got the same thing happen today. Same thing. A lot of times people say, well, the Bible doesn't. We don't face the same problems. Oh, yes, we do. It just looks a little different. Same problem. They turned circumcision into salvation. Yeah. Well, we don't have that problem. Yes, we do. We have water baptism. Yeah. Yeah. And we say, if you're not water baptized, then you're not saved. No different than the Jew that said, if you aren't circumcised, you're not saved. 
But Abraham was justified by faith before a circumcision ever came. You were saved because you believed long before you got dipped in water. But that's what's happening today. Millions continue to do all the same thing today with church ordinances, water baptism, communion, and baptism with the Holy Spirit. And if we can go down this and then one other thing we get down. Join this church and you're saved. No, believe and you'll be saved. Believe and you'll be saved. Well, can you got scripture for that? Yeah. Abraham. We're talking about it right now. <laughs> I gave you I gave you an example. Abraham. <laughs> the next part. That he might be the father of all them who believe. Though they be not circumcised. Places the ground or foundation of salvation squarely on faith instead of works. The Holy Spirit was saying that being circumcised or uncircumcised had nothing to do with faith. And consequently, nothing to do with salvation. It was merely a seal of what the Lord was going to do. When Jesus came, the seal was no longer needed. Colossians talked about circumcision. He said the circumcision made without hands. That's just, you got a new heart. Right. He took away the old heart and gave you a new heart. Guess what happened? The circumcision made without hands. The outward circumcision was just a type of that. The cutting away of the flesh. Cutting away of the old. That which you don't need, you don't need it. Cutting away the old. Circumcision made without hands. Took the old heart, gave you a new heart. The old heart didn't want the things of God, had no desire for God. The new heart loves God. You have a desire for the things of God. Circumcision made without hands. It was just a type. And they turned the type into salvation. But Paul, Paul talked about it in Colossians. They just circumcision made without hands. He got a new heart. Praise God. That's why you like to read the Bible. Other than before you got saved, careless. That's why you like going to church. That's why you like spirit filled music now. Well, before, you didn't want nothing to do with anything. That's why you want to spend time in his presence now before you did. That's when before you got saved, you didn't think two seconds about God or what he wanted or none of that. But when you got saved, you woke up and said, thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, Lord, I love you. Before you got saved, you stubbed your toe. And all kind of stuff came out. After you got saved, you stubbed your toe and you said, Oh, Jesus. Help me, Lord. Hear me, Lord. You got a new heart. Praise God. A new heart. He gave you a new heart. You want to talk about a miracle? He gave us new hearts. Hearts that could feel Him. I could feel his presence. You were dead before. But he made you alive. He quickened you. Made you alive. You could feel him. 
before you were separated from them. Now you join back together. Man, this we don't realize how great our salvation really is. And everything that we really have in salvation. The next part, man. That righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Proclaims the uh, insistence by the Holy Spirit that righteousness be given to all who believe, whether they be Jew or Gentile. Verse 12. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only. Presents Abraham as being the father of all believers, whether Jew or Gentile. Providing they seek for justification by faith only. Presents Abraham as being the father of all believers, whether Jew or Gentile, providing they seek for justification by faith only. Abraham is the father of faith. And we are the children of Abraham. If we operate by the same faith, that faith that is fixed on the Redeemer and what he would do, then you're operating by the same mind. You are operating the same way Abraham operated. Praise God. <laughs> That's the same. If you operate like that, you are operating the same way that Enoch was operating. And Enoch did it so well that God just took it. Because he was that pleasing. Because that's what pleases God. Faith in his son. And what he would do at the cross. And one day, because of that faith, if we, you know, die first, we'll be taken too. We'll be raptured on out of here. Enoch was taken, we'll be taken too. Because of our faith. Because we're pleasing to God because of that. That's good news. Good. I can't wait for that. <laughs> can't wait for that. But until that happens, we'll work for Jesus. We'll work for the Lord. Be used by God like Brother Danny preached this morning. But I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. The next part. But who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham. Refers simply to him believing God and God accounting his faith to him for righteousness. Genesis 15, 6. We actually just talked about that. So mm -hmm. I basically just explained it in a little different, more in detail way. But same idea. You all, that's, that's the faith that Abraham operated by. You operate by that same faith, believing in Jesus and what he did at the cross, because that's what God's given us. And he says, believe this. So we believe it. And he gives us righteousness. Same way he did it for Abraham. He did it for Abraham, he'll do it for you. Next part. Which he had being yet uncircumcised. Clinches the argument and opens up salvation to all who come by faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. Amen? Amen. We have... We're done. The next section, I think, is justification apart from the law. And then we'll get in that uh, the next class. It's a good, it's a good cutoff right here. So, is there any questions or anything? Uh,
It's six o'clock now. It's a little early than normal. So. But that's you know, fine. Uh, I would say that um, it's real interesting that Adam blamed God mm -hmm. by saying, Is that home you had me? And David, through his mercy, Adam was ushered out of the garden, and, and David was given a gift. It's like the Bible is a growth and understanding of God's nature, how, yeah. how we pursue. And that's right. a wonderful thing. That is, uh, it's actually, that's a very, it's, um, it's exactly what it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, we see it, like we, like I said earlier, that the law was meant to show his God's character. It was the written law. The Ten Commandments showed the character of God. This is what's right. And really what it was saying was, hey, I'm God, this is me. I don't covet I don't, I don't commit adultery. I don't, that was, and the principles, there was, there was more about the principles than that actual written part. God doesn't want anything that doesn't belong to him. <laughs> I mean, you see, that, that's what the principle is, thou shalt not covet, but, and, and all that, we can go through all that. But really what it showed was, bang, this is the characteristic of God, and it was shown in written form. But now, we have a greater revelation of the character of God and we see that in Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They said, show us the Father. And he said, if, 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 you're not doing me that. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He, was the, he is the greatest revelation of the character of God that you will get. You won't get another one, actually. <laughs> That's it. Jesus is the final revelation of the character of God. So exactly what it's, it's a progressive, and it was. It was progressive. It was peace, a peace, a peace, and its redemption plan was given the same way: peace, a peace, a peace. And now it's all summed up in Christ. All of it. We find that it all ends. Bang with Christ. This is the final peace. Jesus is the final peace. Nothing else is going to come. That means we're really close to yes. time to go home. That's right. I, I, I'm just, I'm excited about that. To be in His presence. To be in His presence 24-7. No more sin. No, no more times where I gotta say, Lord, I forgive. No more, no more attacks from the enemy. No more, no more tests. No more trials. No, no more. It's graduation time. <laughs> In His presence, twenty-four seven, worshiping God. You, you, you're not going to get just those moments where you really feel the presence of God and then other times, you know, sometimes life is just life. Not, you won't have that. Just be glory, glory, hallelujah, 24-7. Our life will be the Spirit. Blood is our life flow right now. You won't have that. You have a different life source, the Spirit. We'll be like Him. We will be perfect. No sin nature. Nothing, nothing that pulls me to do the wrong thing. I get to be with Jesus. 
I'm going to see my Savior face to face. The one who, who gave everything for me. And because he gave everything, I have everything. Even if I have nothing in this life, I have everything. Because of what he did. Who, who cares what I do? <laughs> but what he did, who cares what my ministry is like? What Jesus did. And we'll be there face to face. I'm going to walk with them daily. And not be separated. Not be pulled at by other things. 24-7. There's not even time. 24-7 doesn't even exist. <laughs> We're going to walk with them. We're going to talk with them. Just in his prayer. I can't even express it. <laughs> Eternity. Eternity. No, there are no words. I can't wait. Not just to escape this world, but to be with him forever. Never, never, even not for one moment, being separated. To just be in his presence. Just forever. I don't, I don't even, it just... I, I, I have just a horrible vocabulary and feeling right now because I don't have any words. For the glory. For the majesty. For the beauty. For the joy. For the peace. <laughs> for the love. To just take whatever... Whatever crown that I get, and just throw it at his feet and say, if it was not for Calvary, yes. I, got, I don't have anything. If it wasn't for the cross, I don't have forgiveness of sins. If it wasn't for the cross, I, I don't make it to heaven. If it wasn't for the cross, I can't have your presence. I can't have your presence if it wasn't for the cross. I can't have freedom from the sin nature if it wasn't for the cross. I'd be lost forever. I'd be dead, separated from God for eternity, never knowing His love, never knowing His presence, never knowing Him. Eternally lost if it was not for the cross. Gladly will I take that crown, throw it at his feet, and sing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lamb. Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lamb. Holy, holy, holy is the Lamb of God who sits on the throne Amen. forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. Amen.